Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a couple moments and relax. Whatever else is going on in your mind, whatever you've been thinking about or working on, just let it fall by the wayside. You don't have to be strong about it. Just let it fall to the wayside because we want to simply relax and be available, spirit, soul, and body, to God himself. We don't have to get his attention. We don't have to earn his attention. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to strive. We don't have to please him or meet some goal or standard. God loves you. That's his nature. We receive his love. That's our nature. You are a spirit being. You're part of who he is. You also have a soul that has some bad habits. And you have a body that also has some bad habits. Your spirit does not. Your spirit does not have any bad habits. Your spirit, who you truly are, your true nature, is filled with wisdom and eternal life and joy, and excitement, and rest. Everything, every need your soul has is already fulfilled by your spirit. But it's those bad habits that have created a wall between your spirit and your soul that prevents your soul from getting its needs met. Your soul has created bad habits like a crutch. So instead of learning to walk in the spirit, walk as a spirit, we're using our the crutch that we've created, that God allowed us to create, to carry the weight rather than be healed and learn how to walk as a spirit. We have been begotten by spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. If you've been born again, you've been regenerated in your spirit. There's only two kinds of beings in the world. Those who are dead in their spirit, those who are alive in their spirit. If you've been born again, you are alive in your spirit. That's it. You're one with God, spiritually speaking. So our problem is not about our relationship with God. Our problem is our relationship between our soul and our spirit. So we're learning how our soul works. We're kind of working on our homework while God is building the house. 
we're doing our little bit. We're packing up to move in, and he's doing all the heavy lifting. He's doing all the work. He's making all the arrangements. He's restoring our soul while we learn how the soul works. doesn't do any good for him to restore our soul if we don't recognize it. If we don't know what our soul is, how it works, what it is like to have a restored soul, what a healthy soul looks like, your soul could be perfectly restored now and you wouldn't know it if you haven't been paying attention to God teaching you about how your soul works. Now, God gifted you your soul. He gave you the soul he wanted you to have. It's not broken. He's not going to fix it or replace it. It's the one he wanted you to have. Your soul has some bad habits, and that's what He's working on. Those bad habits are what keeps you from receiving everything you need from your spirit. We'll deal with the body some other time, but it's actually the, the least problematic. Our problem is our soul. Again, in the spirit, you have all the eternal life you're ever going to have. Your spirit is now eternal, which has nothing to do with time. It's nothing to do with death or life. It's Eternal life is a characteristic of spirit. It's a characteristic of God. Just as God is holy, God has eternal life. God is eternal life. Life eternal. It's a quality of life, not quantity. It's not more of something. It's a different kind of something. Now, because our soul has been doing things its own way for so long, we can't even imagine what eternal life is like. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into our hearts what God has in store for us who love him and wait for him. We can't imagine what eternal life is like. We can't, in, in our wildest dreams, imagine what it would be like to be full and complete in one spirit, soul, and body. The satisfaction, the joy, the life, the eternal life, being able to receive God himself in our soul, which that's what his desire is, is that that eternal life that is in our spirit would flow freely to and through our soul and then to and through our body without hindrance. Now, Jesus walking around, that's what he experienced when he was on this earth. Now, there was, he still had a learning curve because he had to learn how to know God, know his Father, while he was walking around 
with a soul and a body. Now, the difference between him and us is his soul was never disconnected from his spirit. In other words, there was no separation. There was, he never sinned. Now, he had to learn. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. He learned, you know, just like all of us, he had to learn, you know, how to pick up things, how to walk, how to, you know, um, eat. You know, he was a little child. He was a toddler. He went through everything that we went through. He had to learn how to deal with bullies. He had to learn how to deal with other people, other siblings. And that's just when he was a kid. We know what he had to deal with as an adult. But he had to learn that. It wasn't something just magically he was able, you know, to experience life. But he learned it and by accessing the spirit that was fully available in his soul. So the eternal life that was in his spirit was fully available to his soul, so his soul's needs were always met. Did that mean there was never any problems? We know that's not true. We know there was times of despair, loneliness, questioning, And yet that spirit was always one with God. And that's his spirit was always feeding his soul and his body. He said, if you've been so long with me and you don't recognize the Father. He knew who he was at all times. Again, it didn't make it easy. didn't mean he didn't have to learn things. Now, if he had to learn things how to live in this world as a spirit being, but so do we. How did he do that? How did he learn? He spent time with his father, spent a lot of time with his father. And he spent that time letting his father teach him what he needed to know. He He didn't spend time telling his father, Father, this is what you need to do. He didn't spend time saying, Father, you need to take care of this problem in Jerusalem. You you need to heal this person. You need to... No. He recognized the spirit that he was and the soul that he had and the body that he was living in. He learned how it worked, how it functioned here on this earth. He learned how to raise the dead, how to perform miracles, how to heal, how to speak wisdom and knowledge and mercy and grace. How to extend forgiveness, how to forgive sin. He learned these things through the pro- through a process. Again, if he had to learn things, so do we. And we take them, take the learning process seriously. You know, you think about it, he spent 
30 years getting ready for a a three-and-a-half-year ministry. That's one to ten. So don't think it's odd that sometimes things, learning things, takes a long time. The preparation for a project is usually where most of the prep time, where most of the time is spent. Before the actual work begins, it's all on the preparation. And if the preparation is not done, the project often fails, or you wish you had done it differently. So you and I are taking on the challenge of learning how our soul functions and accepting that our soul is different than our body and our soul is different than spirit, than our spirit, and that it functions and has its own way of relating to reality. Our body uses our physical senses, our soul uses solical senses, and our spirit has spirit senses. Now, for most of us, there are some that God just reveals these things, and they have experiences, and they're fully attuned to their solical senses and sometimes even spirit senses. But for most of us, it's a process. Think if you all of a sudden... Somebody came along and said, I'm going to pay you a million dollars to learn how to play the piano. Not necessarily well, but just learn to play it. And I'm going to come back in three months, and you're going to play me this song, and then I'm going to give you a million dollars. We would drop everything we're doing and learn to play that song. Even if we were tone deaf, even if we didn't have a piano, we would drop what we were doing and learn to play that piano, learn to play that one song. Now, whether we continued after the fact, doesn't matter. We focused on what we saw needed to be done, and we'd do it, we'd do the homework. We could hire somebody to help us. Whatever we needed to do, we'd be willing to do because we understood the parameters. We understood the, the aspects of the project. And this is where we have a real challenge. One of the places is because there's been so, the understanding of the soul has been so limited. And Christians, especially in the Western civilization, have put off so much of the solical aspects into the soul, I mean into the spirit, where we attribute the solical abilities as spiritual. That the more spiritual you are, the more you will have these abilities. When it's really no, the more you have stirred up the gifts that are within you, the abilities that are within you, has nothing to do with your spirit. has nothing to do with your body either. Now, there are some tie-ins there that at some point in time, again, we'll get into. But we, we can stir up the abilities 
that are within us. How do we do that? By reason of use. Using them. By using the abilities. How do you learn to walk? You start crawling, you start pulling yourself up, and you eventually learn to walk. You do it by, you learn by doing. You want to use your ability to heal? Start healing. Start speaking. Start asking the Lord to teach you how that works. Then start looking for people that need healing. Look at yourself that need healing. And just make yourself available. Whatever comes to your mind, whatever comes to your mouth, a song, a dream, a poem, and start speaking healing. Now, this is different than praying for healing because this is not about God healing them. This is an ability that you have in your soul because your spirit is flowing into your soul. Jesus raised Lazarus because his soul was connected to his spirit. Jesus walking around on this earth was the conduit for the life of his father through his body and through his soul. So he spoke to Lazarus and said, come forth. Now, I wonder, how did he learn how to do that? Do you think that that was the first time he'd ever done anything like that? I don't. I think he tried it probably first on animals. And then maybe on people's injuries. Maybe, you know, when he was a kid, somebody hurt themselves, and he'd speak life, he'd speak healing, and it would be healed. And it's not because he prayed for his father to heal them. But he learned how to do these things by experience. How do we learn by experience? Now, your experience in learning is going to be different than mine. There may be some commonalities, but because God gave you a unique soul and you're in unique circumstances, God is jealous over his right to teach you. So, as I, you know, even talking about Jesus' experience, that was Jesus. There's only one Savior. There's only one man born the Son of God. Well, let me take that back. We could talk about Adam. But since the fall, how about that? We won't get into the difference between the two sons. 
Jesus never had to have his soul reunited with his spirit. It was always united. And the same way with, he was always one, spirit, soul, and body. So I was one with his father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Again, we, a lot of these things we don't understand, but we can understand, comprehend that when Jesus was walking around on this earth, he was still one with his father. And he was one within himself. You and I aren't. And that's our problem. God sent his son to make a way for us to return to that oneness state. So it is God himself who is restoring our soul. While he's doing his thing, we can be doing our thing. Because again, what good is he what good is it if he restores our soul and we don't recognize it? It's like having a bazillion dollars in the bank and not knowing what bank it's in. We need to learn to be able to access our soulical abilities, not so we can change the world, not so we can benefit from it, even though we will, but because it will make us ready for the restoration of our nature, spirit, soul, and body. Your true nature is is spirit. Remember, you're the kingdom of God. You're already in the kingdom of God. You've already received eternal life. You're already a co-inheritor and a joint heir in your spirit. So how do do we do this? We've been talking about asking for, you know, and thinking about, okay, what is an area that you're interested in, in an ability? Now, the, the, the scriptures has a couple of lists of ideas, where that you can that you're free to take from, but say there's some another area of the soul that you're interested in, a soulical ability that you're interested in restoring, go with that. That's fine. Doesn't matter, because the point is that as you start stirring up that ability, that gift, God takes it from there. God creates the circumstances. He creates the desire and the hunger and the thirst. He changes what needs to be changed. He starts quickening your solical senses. So really all we need to do is start. We put our hand to the plow and everything else is in place to start doing the work. So one of the ways that we stir up the gifts are just, and those are the abilities in your soul, that you have them all. You have, you know, in the scriptures, like we said, there's, there's a couple of lists. They do not, they are not all-encompassing. They barely touch on the abilities that you have in your soul we you know i taught one of my favorites that i talk about a lot is the the you know jesus says if you say to this mountain be thou removed and cast into the sea it will be removed and cast into the sea if you have a little bit of faith 
So we call that the gift of faith. We could also call it the gift of moving mountains. We could call it the, the gift of casting things into the sea. You can call it whatever you want. The point is, he didn't say, pray to me, that I would cast the mountain into the sea. He said, if you would tell this mountain to be thou cast into the sea, and it will be cast into the sea. He said, you do it. He sent them out two by two. You do it. After Pentecost, he said, you do it. Not because... We are his hands and feet. Not, it's not for him. It's for us. Jesus right now is whole and complete. God himself is whole and complete. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need your help. Going to take care of his business. We can take care of ours. Now, he may give you a task that's involved in what he's doing. But it's not because he can't do it without you, but he's giving you an opportunity. It's like a, a you know, a father teaching his child, here here, you know, here's a plastic hammer. While I use my real hammer, I'm going to give you a plastic hammer and you can pound on the the bottom of a pot. So he's teaching us how to do things that are in the spirit by giving us things to do in the soul and even in the natural, in our bodies. Now, one of the things that, so one of the things is to just start looking for opportunities to put those abilities into place, into effect. Another thing you can do is actually activate and build on during up by speaking in tongues. Now, this is kind of different from the others because in and of itself it is a it skips our natural understanding. We consider the speaking in tongues as an ability in and of itself. As as a goal. But none of these are goals. It is simply a, a way to approach understanding and utilizing an ability we already have. So right now there's probably different categories of people that are listening to this podcast. Those that have been tracking right along and see where we're going and are ready to move to the next step, then there's, I don't know, you know, there's there's some that are just really wondering. This is kind of, you know, I don't know about this speaking in tongue stuff. I don't do it, and I'm not interested in doing it. There's the others, well, if you speak in tongue now, you're, you know, it's not from God and you're actually against it. So either way, anyway, is fine because it's between you and God. If you want to skip that, fine. If you want to skip speaking in tongues, fine. 
I'd encourage you to try fasting then in another way. You know, yeah, fine if you want to fast from food or whatever, but I challenge you to fast from TV, from Netflix, from your computer, and spend time waiting on him. And even you can ask him about the whole speaking in tongues. Now, I wish we had a better word for it, but it is what it is. Because it's our soul speaking in conjunction with our body without our understanding. Now, we can ask for understanding, and that's a good thing to do. But what's the goal here is to stir up the abilities that are within our soul. I love how Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He was boasting. He was proud. He he was like, no, this is something. It, I don't want to say it was a secret because it certainly wasn't a secret, but it was a clue. It's like you want you want to get good at riding a bike, ride your bike a lot. Ride it in all different terrains. Ride it in you know day and night and. The muscles you need, you need, you'll learn how the bike works, you'll learn how the traffic works, you'll learn everything you need to know by reason of use. So we'll pick it up there next week and we'll start talking about speaking in tongues, how that, how that works, how it functions. But it, because it starts us out of our comfort zone of relying on even the bad habits and even the good parts of our soul. So we'll start again next week. Pick it up here. Feel free to drop me a line at diane at therainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio. Otherwise, we'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, this has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.